All right, good morning and welcome to ACF Church. I am very glad that you guys are here this morning worshiping with us. I would also like to welcome everyone that's watching online. It's an honor, yeah, it's an honor to have you joining us as well this morning. My name is Angela, and Pastor Brian asked if I would share this week as we are continuing in our series called Human Steeple. I'd love to invite you now to get out your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, I would love for you guys to look around, find that Bible in the seat in front of you, write your name in it, and take it home. It is yours. It's our gift to you. You can also follow along on the screen behind me. All of the verses will be up there, as well as you could download our ACF app. It is a great resource. It has a Bible. It has a daily reading plan, as well as all the sermon notes, or maybe you missed a sermon and you want to go back and catch up on something. That is a great, great tool. So this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. Um, but first, just to catch you up in case you weren't here last week, Pastor Brian shared with us the fact, right, that we are the human steeple, that it has been God's plan from the very beginning to dwell with his people. We learned that we can't go to church, we can only be the church. We read in the Bible that when Jesus was crucified, that the curtain in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. And that just shows us that God has made a way through Jesus Christ that he can be in us. And so this week, what I wanna do is I wanna talk about how do we prepare for the gift of the Holy Spirit? How do we get ready for that? And so in Acts chapter one, this is a book that was written by a man named Luke, and Luke was a doctor, and he is also the same man who wrote the Gospel of Luke. But if you would stand with me, listen as I read to you the first 11 verses in Acts chapter one. In the first book, O Theophilus, so in the first book, his book of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them, another translation says that he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. 
And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Bow your heads with me as we pray. God, we do just thank you that your word is living, that it's active, and that it is profitable for teaching. And so, God, we do just ask that we would be taught by you today and by your spirit. We just thank you for this time that we have, and we just give you all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this passage in Acts is a hinge for us, and it's explaining the time between Jesus' earthly ministry, the time his death, his resurrection, and then his ascension into heaven, what we just read, and then the coming of the Holy Spirit. And what I think is really cool is the fact that because Luke wrote that book of Acts, we can turn to the last chapter in Luke, Luke 24, and I just want to read a few verses to just give us a little bit more perspective into what we read in Acts. Luke 24, starting in verse 44. Then he, Jesus, said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Can you think about the anticipation that these disciples must have been feeling? In both passages, what we just read, imagine the fact that these are people that have spent time with Jesus. They have been a part of his life. They have listened to him teach they have seen him heal people and perform miracles. They have listened to him talk about the kingdom of God. And then Jesus dies. And then he's buried, and then he comes back to life. He rises from the dead. We would definitely be listening to what he has to say. Like, oh my goodness. Even think about the question that the disciples ask Jesus in the book of Acts. They say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, listen, we've been listening to you tell about the kingdom of God, and now we've seen the power that you have behind your words, the fact that you conquered death. We're ready. Let's go. Let's be a part of this. Let's bust open the doors. Let's just tell everybody about this. Like, ah, I can just imagine them. And then his command to them is what? Wait. Stay in the city. Don't depart. Oh, it reminds me of when I feed my dog. Because I put the food in her dish, I put the dish down in front of her, and then I make her wait. Those beads of Oh, you guys are wah. She's fine. You <laughs> the beads of saliva, you can just see them forming on her jowls. 
Sometimes there's a puddle while she's waiting. Well, that's me. That is how, not with a puddle, but that's how I wait. I'm like, man, I see it. I want it. Let's get it. Let's just go. I'm there. I want it. How, how about you? How easy is it for you to wait for something? Are you more like the person that I probably need to talk to after service that you understand that, no, I need time to get ready. I need time to put things in order. I can trust and I can see that there's a purpose in having to wait. Well, when my husband and I were first in the military, one of the things that you get to do every time before you move somewhere is you get to fill out, we just call them dream sheets. And it's basically a request preference sheet of places that you would like to live. And I have always wanted to live in Alaska. Like I read about the hiking and the camping and I'm like, yes, let's go. And I know for a good 10 years, my sweet husband put Alaska as number one and the army just kind of went, yeah, that's nice, but we're gonna send you here. And I got discouraged. I didn't understand. I just want to go there. Like, come on, why? What's going on? And it took us 17 years to get stationed in Alaska. And looking back now, I can absolutely see that there were people I had to meet, that there were jobs that I had to have, so that I would be prepared when I came to Alaska. I had to wait so that I could be prepared. And even being prepared, what that means is get ready because something else is coming. It is a time to put things in order. So think about some ways maybe that we do that. We send our kids to preschool so that they'll be prepared for school. Or you take pre-algebra so that you can have that base of knowledge for algebra. What about premarital counseling, right? You go to that so that you can gain the tools and the skills that will be needed for later on in marriage. Think about some of the things maybe that you're having to prepare for right now. Some of you might be preparing for finals. Maybe there is an interview for a promotion coming up at work. Maybe you're preparing for a race and it takes long hours and a disciplined diet. Think about the disciples. How did they prepare for the gift of the Holy Spirit? And how can we look at what they did and then apply it to our lives? So this morning what I want to do is I just want to suggest three things that we can focus on in our preparation. And the first one is put. Now I want to uh, make sure that you understand that there are two parts to this put. That you put your faith in and then you stay put. And the reason I want to distinguish that fact is the fact that we as believers, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is in us. He is with us. But if you have not allowed God to help you accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, then for you, putting your faith in him is where to, where to begin before you can stay, stay put. In Acts chapter 2, Peter has just given this amazing sermon to the people of Jerusalem. And he's been explaining to them God's purpose of salvation through Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he has saved us once and for all from our sins. And then he goes on to talk about God's promise to pour out his spirit. And when we pick up in Acts 
chapter 2, verse 37. And it says, And when they heard this, when the people of Jerusalem heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for the law of sin and death, and God alone has provided the way for us to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe for some of you, you're thinking, um, she's already said Holy Spirit way too many times, and I'm not going to listen anymore. Like, I get it. Maybe you're uncomfortable. Maybe you're not really sure what to think. Maybe you're a little anxious. Maybe for some of you, it brings up more questions. Like, okay, so let's say I ask for the Holy Spirit, and then he asks me to do something that I don't want to do. What if I ask for the Holy Spirit and then I don't see any results? Or maybe you're like, you know what? I've got all the Holy Spirit I need. I'm quite comfortable. Thank you very much. Well, for a little over five years, I was part of a 12-step recovery program called Celebrate Recovery. And one of the things that we would do every single week is we would introduce ourselves. And so for me, I would say, hi, my name is Angela, I am a believer in Jesus, and I struggle with pride. And the reason that I would say pride is because I like to be in control. I like to have the right answer. I like to be able to manage the outcome. I like to know what's going on. I like for things to have their place. The thought for me of having to let go and listen and obey the Holy Spirit's guidance absolutely is a scary thing. I get it. But even better is the word of God. And I want you to listen to and be encouraged by the words of Romans 5. I'm going to start in verse 2. And it says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now that's a sermon right there just in that verse. But simply put, what Paul is saying is that because of Jesus Christ, we have the assurance of God's favor. We can be certain of his loving kindness, and we can stand in that. We can take comfort and rejoice and be joyful in knowing that this hope is certain. It is not wishful thinking of the glory of God, eternal life, salvation. Because of Jesus Christ, we are assured God's favor of eternal life. And then Paul goes on to say, not only that, gosh, that should be enough, right? We can rejoice in that. But he goes on and he says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Here and now, we can rejoice in having to let go. We can rejoice in being broken, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not 
put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit does not seek to hurt us. The Holy Spirit has our best interest in mind. He doesn't seek to take away our fun. He seeks to make us Christ-like. And at times, that can be painful. That can be uncomfortable. But do I believe that this hope does not put me to shame? Another translation says that it doesn't disappoint. That no matter what, no matter where God calls me, no matter where he leads, I'm not going to be disappointed. Because he has everything that I need. How can I overcome this fear of letting him be the leader? I stay put. I rest in what he has taught. Just like the early disciples, Jesus appeared to them during those 40 days, and he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He says, rest in what I've been telling you. Rest in what you know. Stay put. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about the dangers of being distracted, right? The dangers of being busy. I love the words in Proverbs 19.2. It's a translation called The Voice. And it says, says, surely there is no advantage for a person without knowledge. And whoever moves too quickly misses the turn. So when I was going through some of my early army training, I was being evaluated on my leadership qualities. And I could score anywhere from an O, which was outstanding, all the way down to a U, which was unsatisfactory. I am not kidding you, in every single mission that I was put in charge of, every evaluator scored me an O for initiative and a U for judgment. Yeah, they were basically saying, you're missing the turn. Man, I'd be like, come on, let's go, everybody. Yay, everybody's on board. Let's go, let's go. Oh, that way. Uh, okay. Yeah, you know. Thankfully, as I'm getting older, I am learning to slow down. I am learning the advantage of staying put and listening. And for me, that absolutely takes humility. I have to give up my idea of what I think is right I have to give up my expectations of what I think I should be saying or what I think I should be doing. Because I'll tell you what, if I think that I already know the answer, I don't listen very well to the question. And when I don't listen, I don't hear. And it's only when I'm staying put that I can hear accurately. Because that way too, if I'm not sure of what I'm hearing, if I'm not sure of what God is calling me to, when I'm staying put, then I have the time to listen, to focus, to fix on his spirit and his voice. And as I am staying put in my preparation, then the second thing that I can do is I can praise. I focus on who God is. Think about the disciples. Again, let's learn from their example. Back to Luke 24, verse 50. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, Jesus, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him. 
and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Another translation says they stayed in the temple and they praised God. I am a kind of person that likes acronyms. I like acrostics because what it does is it helps me um, just get a little deeper mer uh, meaning to what a word means. And so for me, praise is placing respect and admiration in the Savior's envelope. When my husband was deployed for the very first time, we had only been married about two years. And I know it's going to be hard for about most of you to believe, but it was before the age of Skype crazy you guys don't even know what that's like and so one of the things that I longed for more than anything was getting that letter in the mailbox man that was just awesome because I knew that it was going to be filled with love and with stories from my best friend and when I enjoy God for who he is when I focus on his character when I fill my mind with thoughts of him then I am placing respect and admiration in my Savior's envelope. When I enjoy the fact that he is my rock, that his peace is perfect, what that helps me do then is no matter where I am, it helps me see my circumstance based on biblical truth and not on fear. Because we know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And now in the next few weeks, Pastor Brian is going to be talking about who the Holy Spirit is. And so I don't want to take away from that, but just suffice it to say for this morning, remember, he is a person. He is not simply a power that we can wield for our own desires. Listen to a few verses in John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's telling them about the Holy Spirit, and he says, starting in verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, and even that word another in the Greek, it means one who is like me. The disciples knew Jesus. They have been with Jesus. They've spent time with him. And so he's telling them, listen, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send a helper who is like me to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He is spirit and he is speaking. We get to stay put. We get to lay down ourselves and change our minds so that we can listen to the things of God. And then we get to praise we get to enjoy him for who he is. So that the third thing in our preparation is we pray. And I know that there are a lot of books and ideas and sermons and how-tos on what prayer is or what it should look like. And, and I think that's awesome personally because that just reminds me of how big and how marvelous God is. But I also understand that that could be intimidating. 
It could be frustrating if you think, well, it doesn't sound like this when I pray, or I don't look like this when I pray, so am I even doing it right? Oh, I just want to encourage you. Prayer is not something to be afraid of. Prayer is a spiritual discipline, yes, absolutely. But it's simply and beautifully a conversation with the one who first loved us. We get to speak to him. We get to pour out our heart to him. And then we get to listen and hear from him. That's what prayer is. In the message translation, Philippians 4 puts it this way. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, his peace, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It is wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Now notice, it doesn't say that everything is going to be easy. But what it does say is keep Christ at the center. And that's what prayer is. It is maintaining that relationship with Jesus as the focus. God doesn't leave us on our own to figure this out for ourselves. We have his spirit, the helper. He doesn't wish that we would sound a certain way or find the right words. No, he prays for us in our weakness. He teaches us things. He brings to mind the things of Jesus. He knows everything about us inside and out. Take comfort in that. So that even in our preparations, he alone is the one who is faithful to provide exactly what we need. We get to stay put. We get to remain and rest and be still in what he has taught. And then we get to praise. We get to enjoy him for who he is, fill our mind with thoughts of him, enjoy the fact that his name is above every other name. And then finally we get to pray. We get to maintain that relationship, keeping Jesus at the center so that no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter what we say, we can be prepared. Bow your heads with me. God, we do just thank you that you are here in this place. We thank you for your spirit that never leaves us, that never forsakes us, that is our helper. Thank you, God, that we have this privilege to be in a relationship with you because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. May we be encouraged because of the fact that your hope is certain and that your peace is perfect. We may not always understand why we have to wait, but God, we just thank you that your spirit has our best interest in mind, that you are fresh strength, and because of you, we can rejoice. God, we love you, and we just praise you for being here in this place, and we just ask now that you would be with us as we turn our praises into songs, as we focus on keeping you at the center of everything that we do. God, we just love you and we thank you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen.